conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Before we dive into this episode of Welcome to Geekdom, I wanted to share a couple ways you can support the podcast. The best way is to tell your friends about it. Post about the show on social media, just text them about it. If you enjoy these episodes, it really does help. And if you are really dedicated to the podcast, you can support on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I am joined by Tim Matthews. We are talking Batgirl and Robin Year One. This is a collected trade that has both stories in it, and it's one that I had read previously. Tim, had you read this previously? No, actually. I've owned it for, I don't know when it came out, but I've owned it for a really long time, and it's just <laughs> one of those that has sat on the shelf for a while. So I I was excited to find to have a reason to jump jump into it and uh, I did not regret it. Yeah, and even though the collection is titled Batgirl and then Robin, you actually get Robin's story first. So <laughs> yeah. I kind of just want to jump into that one, and I think the reason why is because Dick Grayson becomes Robin before. Barbara Gordon becomes Batgirl. So they're telling it in chronological order and maybe they just wanted it in alphabetical order for the collected title. I don't know. I feel like, and you know, maybe it's just because it's how it's written. So it's how I know it, but I feel like back Batgirl Robin flows better than Robin Batgirl. It sounds less clunky. So, so with Robin year one, it was written by Chuck Dixon and Scott Beatty and illustrated by Marcos Martin, Javier Polito, and Robert Campanella. Hopefully I'm pronouncing those all right. I tried really hard to find how Marcos pronounced his last name. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go with what Brian K. Vaughn said because they've worked together. Whereas everyone else just kept saying Martin. And I'm trying to get better at pronouncing names, but it's hard when you only ever read them. <laughs> Sounded good to me. I hope those were all correct, but this story was published between October 2000 and January 2001. It's four issues. The issues are a little longer. It felt like I didn't do an exact page count, but they definitely felt like they were maybe 30-ish pages versus the 21 that we normally get or 22. So with Robin Year One, I really liked how they just presented the character and you have a moment in these issues where Batman's kind of like, do you want to hear another Joker story? And I like that the way Joker is incorporated is more as this character that Robin doesn't have to interact with because I don't know about you, but we've had a lot of Joker stories lately. And I know obviously this came out years ago, but it was very refreshing to get stories that didn't focus on the Joker as the big bad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even even if you take out of, of you know, take any of the movies out, out of the account that Joker just it, it is always, he's because of who he is, you know, these Batman's, you know, main foe and everything. He, he's, and I'm sure he sells well. He's a go-to, so a lot of stories that tend to be, especially the famous ones that that people look to. A lot of times, it seems like, oh, it's the Joker again. He's in there. You always have to come back to the Joker. And you kind of look at that in ways with Spider-Man and 
like the Green Goblin. You know, it's you, you got to come back to him, uh, even though it sometimes feels like you don't want to. So I, I agree. I was really excited that not just Joker, like I, I was really excited that like the really the biggest villain in this is Two-Face. Um, and outside of that, it's I don't want to say like, you know, C-list villains or anything, but they're they're not the ones that you go to generally so it it made for something really really fresh and uh and interesting and not just like oh i've heard this before yeah it's not like they were hitting you with two-faced penguin you know mr freeze does make an appearance but it's pretty small in the grand scheme of things and then you know in the first issue you have this focus on mad hatter who i think is a very interesting villain and he's obviously been used throughout the comics and, you know, the shows. And I'm pretty sure in at least a couple of the movies, I could be wrong on that because the movies are a bit of a blur for me as far as the Nolan trilogy goes, because I think he did use quite a few villains. But Mad Hatter is one of those characters that kind of flies under the radar at times. And I really liked how they incorporated the villains where you didn't need this full story that took all four issues to unfold. You get that with Two-Face, but you don't need that with Mad Hatter, Mr. Freeze, and anyone else who shows up. You also have Shrike. Yeah, that was one of the the really cool things that I liked about this is you got you got such a variety of the villains, but then you you don't spend necessarily spend too much time with the majority of them. Even someone like Mr. Freeze, like he's kind of dispatched pretty quickly which was really nice because I I even I think about that a lot with the with the especially the movies where it kind of always feels like whenever there's a superhero movie it never feels like the superhero or the vigilante or whoever is doing much between movies it almost feels like they're just hanging around until the one big bad guy comes and then all the focus is on that one bad guy and so I always like in movies and in comics, you know, it's uh, Nolan's trilogy did this with Scarecrow, where after he was the main guy in the first one, he just had these small bit parts like in the beginning of The Dark Knight and he's dispatched quickly. And I've always really enjoyed something like that because it's like these these characters, they're they're going out on, on patrol, you know, every night. And whether it's a supervillain, whether it's, you know, just a common criminal background Robin take out a purse snatcher, you know, it's like. They're out there working. They're not just waiting for the next big giant thing that the Joker's going to do. You also have the fact that when things just focus on one villain, it seems unrealistic because it's not like villains take turns, you know? It's just kind of like, (laughs) no, they're all out doing their own thing every night. And I think this comic does a very nice job of showing us that, hey, these villains don't have to be working together to appear in the comics. And with the League of Assassins, you know, that's a big part of Batman's history. He's fought the League of Assassins numerous times. You have Robin leaving Wayne Manor and going to basically start training with them. And at first, it doesn't seem like he really understands that it's the League of Assassins because they never really call it that in this, not right right away anyway. So to have Dick Grayson go through those motions, especially as, you know, this young teenager and just have 
a feel for, okay, you know what, maybe being with Batman is not as bad as I thought it was, because there are terrible people out here. And he gets an understanding of what Batman is trying to do, not only for Gotham, but for him when he goes out on his own and is like, okay, you know what, maybe I'm in over my head a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I I really love, particularly in, I guess it's the first issue. Like you said, it was kind of, with the page count, it was, I, I didn't always realize when I jumped to like the next, the next issue, but one of the early stories with, Robin, I really liked the, uh, and I guess this continued throughout with Alfred's like journal entries and getting into the headspace of what Robin's trying to do, how he wants to stand up and do this right and be great at this for himself, but he's also trying to impress Batman. You know, I really like when he takes out like Jervis Tetch, like basically on his own, like he does all the work and he resolves that and Batman's getting ready to be like, we're going to talk. And you know he's he's going to yell at him and everything. And Alfred kind of is like, if you go ahead and you yell at him now, then he's never going to learn. He's never he's never going to rise to to that occasion. You need to tell him that he did this good job. And then later with Shrike, he's out there once again because he did fail. You know, and he he went up against Two Face, and he thought he could do it. Um, even though Batman said like this guy is not like. The other, as you put it, lame villains that we've gone up against. And so he was determined to gain his like physical strength back. But then when he's still turned down by Batman, like you're not you're not coming out with me. Then I feel like with the whole Shrike thing, he's he falls into it. Like you said, he doesn't realize who these people are. I think he just knows with instinct they're not good people. Um, And I think he. I agree. Like he just, he learns, he learns so much about really what this crusade is about and not just I'm helping Batman and we're doing good. There's, there's this deeper level to it. I think he really learns that kind of seeing someone else train him for different reasons than Batman. Yeah. One of the other things I really love about this comic too, is that it shows all of the aspects of Dick Grayson's life, which I feel like we don't get a ton of stories where he's going to school and you see that he has a crush on this girl and it really just fleshes out the character and makes him very well-rounded, especially as a teenage boy. It's like, okay, are you really going to pretend that he's not interested in these things, like playing with friends Mm -hmm. on the basketball court and going out with this girl and you see that get ruined too at one point where he's out at the park with her and then he sees the bat signal like right as she's about to kiss him and he just like makes up this weird excuse and it's super awkward and he runs back to the car where Alfred is and you feel so bad for him in that moment because you're like he gets to be a teenager but he doesn't really fully get to be a teenager because of his ties to Batman. Definitely. And and in some of Alfred's letters, like at one point when he's dropping Dick off at school, he's talking about how like Dick Grayson hasn't felt this need to, you know, create kind of the double life yet. You know, he kind of is himself as Robin and he is himself when he's out of the costume. He's he's a kid. He's out there when he's helping Batman. He's 
bringing this this optimism and this energy to to coincide with Bat- Batman's like brooding and darkness, and that's always been something that that Robin can do. Um, but the, when he when he does start kind of kind of diving into just being a teenager and you you start to see that excitement of oh yeah like i i can be a teenager and i can and i can be be robin no big deal but then when he starts seeing like you said like those moments where it's just like ah oh, like i'm trying to have my life here but i know i have to go do this i made a promise to batman i made an oath to batman you know i can't i can't blow him off um and yeah it's when he gets in the car it's like it's a decidedly different tone when he's sitting in the car with Alfred at that moment than when he just gets out of school in the other. And he's just like, yeah, this is, this place is great, Alfred. I love, I love this school and you know, the cute girls and everything he's. And so one thing, like when I started reading this and I'm like, I'm loving, I'm loving the art. It's bright colors. It's got a bit of like the animated series feel to it. I get like Darwin cook vibes from it. And so it's just, it had this kind of brightness and, I was surprised but really enjoyed how the as the story goes on and it starts to bring in those darker elements. Um, you know, when he goes up against Two-Face, that's a really, really dark scene. And then you bring in, you know, him just kind of like growing up into the role and this realization like, yes, he's a, he's a kid and Alfred didn't step in to stop this from happening he let this happen and he's seeing it repeat with what he saw this consume bruce and he doesn't i think he he wants to support the two of them because i think he knows that robin is good for batman and batman is good for robin but he doesn't want to see dick grayson follow that same exact path it's almost like there's like a do-over like all right i let young master Bruce go ahead and do this, but, and I'm going to let Dick do this, but how can I help him? So he does it better and healthier maybe. (laughs) Yeah. It was one of those things where I was just really impressed with how they told Dick's story throughout the whole thing. And one thing I want to say that I wasn't a huge fan of is the fact that some of these fonts were just really hard to read. You've mentioned Alfred's journals a couple times here. And because they wanted to make it look like handwriting, sometimes I was like, this is taking way too long to read because I have to like (laughs) look at it a little closer and pay more attention. And there were times where some of the villains would be talking, maybe it was Two-Face, and they would change the font there too. And I was like, I kind of just want the regular comic book font that is easy to read. (laughs) And, you know, that's definitely still an artistic choice by whoever letters books across the board. And there have been certain comics where I'm just like, this color scheme was a terrible idea for, you know, like the (laughs) word balloons and everything. So that was kind of my main issue with this collected edition because I was really struggling to read some of the parts and Alfred's journals were actually a huge part of Robin year one. So I was a little disappointed with that. But between the art and the overall story, I was really, really impressed with this. Do you have anything else you want to talk about with Robin year one? And you know, we didn't go into 
super great detail, but I think with the year one stories, it's just more about how they tell the stories because we kind of all know the origins at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I I liked how you know they they touch on they they touch on you know Dick's parents for for Robin. It didn't to me necessarily completely feel like a year one. You know, it almost felt like at least the second half of the year and then, uh, you know, and then maybe like a year or two, like it, it, which I, which I enjoyed because it just, it kind of cut to just them being out on patrol and him learning along the way. But, you know, we didn't spend too much time seeing, you know, Bruce train him, you know, how to fight and all that stuff. We kind of skipped through that and it's, you, you get these, these great little moments of, uh, very early on when uh, Batman says to him, like, did you do a bullet count? And and it's just and Robin like responding, yes, this is a such and such gun. It has this and one in the chamber. So there's nine like it's And so it was like these these great little moments to see how he was he was learning and growing throughout the story. Um, and I, I do completely agree with the, the Alfred font. I also had trouble with that at times and I had to like reread it. And then I was like, is that that word? But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I re I really enjoyed as aside from that font, I enjoyed that format of we're watching Batman and Robin and we're getting in the headspace of kind of both of them. But the core of the story is kind of the father figure, coming to acceptance that this is the right thing. You know, I think he, I think Alfred, you know, like I said, he, he's supportive in the beginning. And then when something horrible happens, you know, that it's, it's like he, he mentions kind of waiting for the, waiting for the worst phone call. Um, you know, that something went horribly wrong out on patrol and it happens that one night. And then he has to wrestle with what have I done? Like I shouldn't, should should I have should I have stopped this? Should I have not let this happen? Um, and then, kind of, just as Robin ha has to work his way back and bring that and bring that confidence back of I can do this, um, and even Batman's confidence in him, um, it's it's everyone learning that this is kind of the right thing to do. And we didn't even mention Jim Gordon. Like it's I loved his stuff of just being like. Like, so seriously, what's with the kid? Like, <laughs> yeah. I thought you just brought him in for like one thing, but it's been like three months and he's still here. You know, it's like I've kind of put up with what you're doing, but now you you're bringing a child into this like he's a boy. And so um, I, I enjoyed that. And then, you know, when two faces like I killed him, I killed him. And just like the rage in Gordon, like he's just like, that's it. I am done. You know, I, he gave me his word. And so there was just, there were so many, so many deeper elements in, uh, throughout this story and how it was told than I, than I frankly was expecting, you know, go, going into it. And I, I did, I really, really enjoyed just the overarching story. Yeah. And when you mention Robin being beat nearly to death, that gives us a great Dr. Leslie Tompkins appearance as well in mm -hmm. this series. And she's a character who I've always found very interesting and they've changed her over the years. You know, in the comics, she was a little older and almost seemed like 
an Aunt May kind of figure, and they've kind of made her younger for, like, the shows and stuff, much in the same way they have with Aunt May, too, honestly. But obviously, she's an actual (laughs) doctor, so she serves a very different purpose, and then, you know, Aunt May goes and becomes a nurse in some of the movies and stuff, too. So there's that parallel as well. But I really like that appearance. But Batgirl year one is actually nine issues, which they felt like they were still fairly even. So that's what made me think the Robin issues were definitely longer in length. But this story was really good, too, because we see that connection at the end of Robin year one, where you have Babs and Dick meeting, not that they know who the other is at that point in time. But, you know, obviously, Dick Grayson is a very bright kid. So he understands that Barbara is Jim Gordon's daughter. But that great moment of don't even think about it. You know? (laughs) Yeah, I love how they have that all unfold, though, just like the relationship between the two of them. And you have the fact that Batman already has this guilt because of what happened to Robin. So then you have that tension when Barbara puts on the Batgirl suit. And I just thought that played out really, really well, how there was this tension between her and Batman. And then she was kind of annoyed by Dick Grayson, like he was kind of the annoying little brother. But then you can tell he's kind of growing on her. And we obviously, you know, know how that ends. But for anyone who doesn't, Dick and Barbara do at some point end up in a relationship. I'm not really sure in correlation to these comics in specific when that happens, but it's happened on and off throughout, you know, the relationship of these two characters in the comics in general. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I love how they, they like tee it off at the end of Robin year one. And like, I don't know, like, you know, when one came out and when the other came out and I don't know, did they have this plan all along that, okay, we're going to do Robin year one, but we're also going to do, Batgirl year one and because it the way they told it if it, it honestly it felt like they had a, a real solid overarching idea of how we're going to tell these stories um, so if they didn't have it planned kudos I think Batgirl year one came out about two years after Robin year one ended but because it is still largely the same creative team I think they really liked what came out of Robin year one. And I'm not 100% certain on this, but the fact that they brought back Chuck Dixon and Scott Beatty, and they even brought back Marcos Martin, I believe, and a couple other artists on this one, you know, it felt like they wanted to keep that same momentum going with the Mm -hmm. story and kind of tell things from Barbara's perspective, because she's another character, you know, She's obviously smart beyond her years because she's like wanting to get into computer science and wanting to, you know, become a police officer. So she's not as young as Dick Grayson, but I don't think the age gap is super big. I just think, you know, he was drawn like a little short for his age, maybe. Yeah. And there's a mention of in Batgirl year one when she when she sees him again. She kind of makes mention of just like she realizes like, oh, I think he's kind of into me. And then she says something like, at least he got a little taller. And then they flash back to that moment on the roof. And so it it makes me wonder, you know, how much time between this and 
and Robin year one is is supposed to have is supposed to have gone by because they, I agree he Robin still very much feels like he's you know maybe sixteen or seventeen but I get the feeling like he's supposed to maybe be at least entering college age at this time I don't know but um which could still be seventeen yeah so it was definitely it, that that was hard to tell um but the, uh but I assume some time must have gone by because she's like you know he's um. At least he got a little taller. Um, I yeah, and I I I also really really liked their relationship and and how that grows. And I I agree, it's kind of he's kind of like the annoying little brother, and then it's also this this kind of feeling of all right, like I know I I know I want to be out here and doing this and helping. And she even says to Batman later, like if you know what's going to stop me when I when I go home, I'm still going to feel the exact same way. I'm still going to want to go out there and help. And so I almost feel like at times, like even though she's kind of appreciative of Robin's helping her out. And even though she doesn't realize right away that Batman's, you know, letting this happen, she's appreciating that. But there's also kind of this feeling of how come you get to do this? And I don't, what is it about you that Batman is like, no, you're okay. But he tells me that I can't. And they play with that a bit in early on of this feeling of she just keeps getting like shut out basically because she's a girl. She's getting underestimated because she's a girl. You know, she tries to apply for the FBI thing and, you know, both her dad and the guy interviewing her is like, you don't meet the the height requirement. And I don't know if that's a thing or if that's just, a you know, their way of just being like, no, we're not going to pick you. Um, so it's that she has this i don't know if i want to say chip on her shoulder cuz she has she has such confidence in who she is and she knows that she can do the job and she knows that she can get out there um but i think over the course of the comic it's done really well where i think she starts to learn that having the confidence and the will to do it and the and some of the skill is not enough that there's still so much for her to learn. There's a whole scene with she goes to jump off the roof and she doesn't realize that like that rope probably would have killed her. I almost feel like she's more prepared for the job than Dick Grayson was at the start of his, but she also still has so much to learn. And it's it I really like that for her comic, the narration is all in her head. So we get like we get front row seat of just seeing that that journey and her and her progress and her struggle with that and her fight for it. And I really, really enjoyed how how this one was told. She does kind of have that chip on her shoulder because she's seen as this girl who can't get the job done by a lot of people, in her mind at least, you know. Yeah. Her dad doesn't want her to become a cop because he thinks one cop in the family is enough and he just keeps pushing back on it. And that kind of drives this wedge between Barbara and Jim. And it really fuels her too, because you have her doing all of these things. You can tell she's getting like a bunch of packages and she's just like, oh, it's computer stuff. And he's just like, okay, whatever, you know. (laughs) But then later on, he goes in her room and finds out and all of this stuff is happening. But one thing that this comic does that's 
completely different from Robin year one that I really liked was the incorporation of other heroes. She's going and breaking into the JSA and she's leaving a note for, you know, Black Canary and she ends up talking to Wildcat, I believe. And you have that whole conversation there. Dr. Fate is there and there's just so much going on on the hero side of things in this. And we do see her with Black Canary later that I thought that was an interesting take too, because you don't really see that with the Batman comics as much because Batman very much so likes to just keep things contained to the Bat family. Obviously, he's taken part in Justice League and things like that over Mm -hmm. the years. But when we're talking about these characters usually they aren't bringing in a bunch of other heroes to fight alongside them unless it is a Justice League title or a big event. Yeah, and there's even, there's there's a moment when, because she does end up getting to work with Black Canary, um, but before that happens, I, I love that scene on the on the roof and when Dr. Fate like shows up and he says, you know, what, what do you see for her? And he says, I see triumph and tragedy. There's so many great, like foreshadowing moments to her inevitable fate. And, you know, there's the mention of Oracle, you know, even when she's fighting the villains at one point in the, uh, in the like simulation thing, there's a panel with the Joker and the way they draw that is very specifically invoking killing joke. It's very much framed in the same way of when he shows up in the door and the way they kind of draw his smile and like the shadows on him. But so it's like I loved these foreshadowing moments that it's just that's all it is. It's a moment and then it moves on. Like I like that it doesn't just beat you over the head with it. It just if you if you know what happens, it's there. But I I, I think even when Black Canary first comes back after helping her uh, with the big fight and everything and she kind of she kind of makes mention of pointy ears and uh, Green Arrow had you, you mentioned how Batman doesn't really necessarily like to work work with other people green arrow kind of has this moment where this brief moment of jealousy of just like almost like oh, i thought he like he never wants to he never wants to like do anything with anybody else and then and then she clarifies like batgirl um but it, you could see this kind of like yo what the heck like <laughs> how come how come he worked with you um and uh yeah i really i really enjoyed having those those brief moments with the additional heroes and i like that it was the Justice Society and not the Justice League. I read a lot of DC comics, but, you know, uh, really in any form of comics, when you get into timelines on when certain teams exist and other stuff, it, it all just becomes a blur. Um, but I, I liked that it was the Justice Society because I feel like you don't necessarily see them as much as you do the Justice League. So I thought that was cool. I totally agree. And I have to give them credit for using Killer Moth and Firefly as the main villains in this. That was a very interesting use of them. And you see a couple other villains like Condiment King and Blockbuster later on. And I was so excited for Condiment King. I I took a screenshot and I sent it to two of my friends. I was like, yes, Condiment King is in this. (laughs) Yeah, it's really clever use of villains that we don't typically see. And I like that for Batgirl's sort of origin story, because she's not going to be going up against someone like Penguin by herself, or, you know, even Harley or Poison Ivy or characters like Mm -hmm. that. So it felt like this was kind of a stepping stone for Barbara as 
Batgirl and you have this huge explosion at the end and you have cops being injured and she's worried about her dad. She's also worried about this cop who keeps flirting with her, Officer Bard, I believe. Yeah, Jason. And it's just a fun way to get to know her character better because at this point, you know, they're we're continuing the story from Robin year one, really, especially in this collection, obviously. And you only see glimpses of her in that. So then you see how things come to be with her in her issues. And I thought that was really well done. And, you know, again, there were some font issues in these issues here and there. But overall, I really did enjoy both of these stories. Do you have anything else you want to say about Batgirl Year One? You know, you mentioned it was it was great to pick those two villains to be the the primary focus. You know, again, like we mentioned earlier, it was nice to not have just like the big ones that we usually see. And it and I agree, it makes sense. Like, you know, she's and in, in her f- first you know month on the job, she's not going to be like, I'm going after Joker. Um, so it, I. I not only like the choice of those villains and and I love when they're on their way to fight what ends up being uh blockbuster which I like how he was in both um so there was this there was this nice parallel of like Robin went up against him you know earlier and it's like oh now we're going up against him together but it's her turn to kind of do the the brunt of it but I like how when they're on the way to do that and then they take out Condiment King and it's you know, a breeze. It's super easy to <laughs> take out Condiment King. And she's just like, this is why we rushed here? Like, this is the hostage situation? He's like, no, no, no. This was just, this was a sideshow. Like, this is just what we had to do. Uh, he's like, we're, we're still on our way. And they go and they take care of that. But I liked, especially with Killer Moth and Firefly, um, there's a parallel to kind of Babs's story of her her wanting to her wanting to prove herself you know to herself to everybody else even if the majority of the people that she wants to prove it to will never know you know there's the uh always the moments where she looks in the newspaper the next day and is like well once again like i other people get the credit and i'm in the shadows but that's the way it's got to be um but when you look at the two villains that they chose there's uh especially moth there's this great parallel of like he knows like nobody takes him seriously nobody wants to work with him um he's he's a complete and utter joke and he pushes to uh to prove himself as well but babs has the luxury of the people that she teams up with are a positive influence and who he teams up with you know when when they first go to that bar and Firefly just lights it up and he's just like, you were just supposed to scare them. Like now they're never going to pay it. Like he, he knows he's in way over his head with this guy. Um, so it's there, there's fun parallels with, uh, just kind of owning it and wanting to stand out and be kind of the, the top dog of it all. But yeah, it's just, man, both of these were just so good. Like, I I mean, I'm assuming if someone listened this far in, I would hope they have read it. But, um, but, but if not, like, I can't, I can't recommend it more or less. I'm not really sure how 
I should phrase that, but <laughs> I know what you mean. And there's so much that we didn't even touch on really as far as the details go in these stories. And, you know, there's a little twist at the end of Batgirl year one that I don't want to spoil in case people haven't read it, but it was just a really fun way to kind of have things set straight with her and her father, basically. And, you know, I had a lot of fun getting to reread these. Some of the story was coming back to me as I was going through the issues. But Tim, I like to wrap things up with some recommendations now. So if people enjoy Batgirl and Robin year one, what else should they check out? I mean, if you love the Batgirl story, I mean, one of my favorite uh, recent Batgirl stories is the uh, Burnt, I think it's called Burnside Batgirl or something. I really enjoyed that take of of her kind of reinventing herself in a way of that one. But uh, my biggest recommendation is another Chuck Dixon uh, comic. Um, it's Nightwing Volume 1, Bloodhaven. I mean, you got great writers in this volume. You've got Denny O'Neill, you've got Chuck Dixon, you've got Carl Story. Um, and this volume sets up a whole run of Nightwing that is one of my favorite um you know, it's it's Dick Grayson, so it's not Robin, but it, it's if you enjoyed this and you enjoyed, you know, Chuck Dixon's writing and just the the style of these stories. I mean, that that run really dives into like the Dick Grayson becomes a cop and um, and, uh, you know, breaks away and goes on his own. And it's just it's it's so much fun. It gets dark. Uh, it's just a really, really cool story. Um and, uh, you know, I fell in love with, you know, Dick Grayson and Robin and Nightwing really through like the cartoons and stuff. But it was that run of Nightwing that I was just like, Nightwing is Nightwing is my guy. So it's not Batgirl or Robin, but it's somewhat connected. And I would definitely recommend that. And I believe the entire run is on DC Universe Infinite. Um, but you can also support your local comic shop and pick up some volumes. Yeah, my recommendation is going to stick with the year one theme. And if you haven't read Batman year one, it's definitely a much different vibe than these comics. But the year one stories are huge with DC. They've done them for a ton of characters. They've done other things like Earth One kind of stuff. And I think if you like these two, I would just recommend checking out Batman year one because of the fact that, you know, we're seeing some of his sidekick stories, but you really do want to get an understanding of his story. And yes, we know his parents died and he became Batman, but I think Mm -hmm. Batman year one gives you a much deeper look at his origin story. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. If I mean, if frankly, if you're a Batman fan um, or a Bat family fan uh, and you want to see really where it all began. Uh, I mean, Batman year one is the definitive story for sure. Yeah. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining me. It's fun getting to do some of these comic book episodes. I have more planned for the future. I'm sure you will be back on for some of them since we both seem to love DC Universe Infinite. <laughs> Absolutely. I love talking comics. So this was This was a good time. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of Welcome to Geekdom. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so through our Patreon. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at Geekdom Pod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.